0: Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. I'm going to speak to you today, the, the last ser- message in this series, what's love got to do with it? And I've told you the answer is everything. When it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the kingdom, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to Christ's followers, love is everything, all right? Um, it's not just something we do, it's who we are. It's, I told you last week, the Bible says that God is love and love is God. If God is love and God and, and love is God, and we're one with him, should we not become love? It's something we are. It's who we are. And, and so, the week one I preached to you, defined by love, and how the people of God going into the promised land were a people marked by the love of God. Remember, Moses said, remember, you were loved by God. And then he told them how they were to live in the promised land, and they were to love each other, and they were to love God, and they were loved to the enemy. Message two was vessels of love, where Jesus took those Vessels of a servant, washed the feet of his disciples, and what he was doing was actually creating vessels of love. Message three was loving the Hatfields and the McCoys. I mean, you know, we got to love our enemies. You know, sometimes I read Jesus' words, I'm not too fond of them. That whole, that whole turn the other cheek thing, I'm really not a big fan of it. I me mean, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, no, you're all saints. All right. <laughs> Message four is today. I'm going to speak to you on um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'm going to call it the greatest of these. We are so familiar with 1 Corinthians 13 in the Christian world, aren't we? I mean, how many weddings have you gone to and it's been read? It's not a wedding thing, although it works, all right? But Paul didn't mean it for a, a wedding ceremony. Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church. He was telling them, listen, you as believers, you as Christ followers, this is the most excellent way. This is how you live. This is how you interact with each other, okay? Jesus, remember what Jesus said when he was alive. The greatest commandment was to love God. Love your heart, mind, and soul, right? He said, the second is greatest. The second greatest is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, and there's no other commandment greater than these. Nothing else. Listen to me this morning. (laughs) Jesus, how many would take Jesus' word on it? I can understand maybe not taking my word for something, all right? But I'm thinking Jesus is a pretty good source. And what Jesus is saying is the greatest commandment is to love God and love your neighbor. Paul writes that the greatest of the three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love. Let let me read it to you. I'm going to read the whole chapter. I don't often do that, but I want to do it this morning. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into an account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there's knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now... We see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is Father, would you bless your word this morning? Help me bring some truth out of it, some principles that we can apply to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, This is an interesting portion of scripture. I'll try not to get into it too much in terms of, you know, how many know you can take something apart so bad that it actually loses its power. You know, there's a, um, G Campbell Morgan. He said this about, uh, first Corinthians chapter 13. He said, it's like dissecting a flower to understand it. If you tear it apart too much, you actually lose the beauty of the flower. And so we'll try not to lose this beauty, but it's the same token. I, I want to take a look at this and what, what's Paul saying and what's he saying and how does it apply to us? And so I'm just going to start because, you know, I know that you want to, you know, don't really want to be here for another three hours, right? Oh, OK, great. Great. Everybody said amen. So I'm good to go. Paul begins this. Now, listen, we all know, most of us know, that why was Paul writing this? He was writing this because the Corinthian church, how many of the Corinthian church was a crazy church? Good church, but crazy. I mean, they had all kinds of stuff going on. All right, they had had idolatry going on. They had um, immorality going on. They had believers fighting with each other. They had people taking each other to court. And Paul's always addressing something. And now they were becoming puffed up and prideful and having this vision over spiritual gifts. And Paul's like, man. First Corinthians 12, he teaches him about spiritual gifts. And then 13, he says, let me show you the most excellent way. And so he begins to talk on love. And, and so let me start with this. He, he's the, Paul said that the greatest is love. I want to talk to you for a few moments about things that love is greater than, and then it will transition. The first thing that Paul's saying is, let me say it to you this way, is that love is greater than tongues. Now, Paul was alluding to the spiritual gift that was being abused in the Corinthian church. Okay. Now, But I want to talk to you for a moment about this. The greatest language you'll ever learn or the greatest language you will ever speak is love. Paul said, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Anybody annoyed yet? (laughs) Let me know if I'm annoying you. Raise your hand if I'm annoying you. (laughs) Penny lives with it every day. All right. That's what Paul says. Paul says, listen, you you, you can speak with the tongues and you can speak with the voice of an angel and you can speak with the language of angels. But but if you don't have love, you're an annoying, clanging symbol. It's hollow. You have nothing. You have no substance. All right. You know, I want to talk to you for a minute. You know, I've been to many nations on the earth. Peter's been to many nations on the earth where people speak a different language than me. All right. And I go there and I mean, we, we were in Ukraine together and we used to go down to this little store in the country to just buy something, give them money. Right. I didn't know how the system worked. I didn't know their language. And there was this blonde girl working at the counter. I think she hated me. Remember my girlfriend? Okay, we called her. I just, I didn't know. I'm trying to communicate with her and she was just mean as a snake. Just mean. I didn't know the language. I didn't know this money system and she was just mean. All right. I've been to lots of places where I don't know the language. Okay. I can become fluent in all kinds of languages of the earth. Men and women have been speaking in the language of heaven for centuries since the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? Yet, the fact of the matter is, all humanity can still speak a same language. Let me talk to you for a moment about this, all right? How many know that the men, of the men of the earth have a tongue, don't we? We all have a tongue. Speak, some people speak Spanish, some people speak English, some can speak Ukrainian, and some speak Polish, Tim lazinski all right? And on and on we go, right? There's all these different languages that separate us. And then I want to talk to you for a moment that the angels of heaven have a tongue, Paul said, I can speak with the tongue of a man. I can speak with the tongue of angels. Angels of heaven have a tongue. But how many of you know this morning, but the language of God is love. You want to speak the language of God? How many want to speak like God? You speak love. Love is the language of God. Listen to me. You want to speak like God to your, (laughs) some of you husbands, you think you're God to your wife. (laughs) You want to be God to your wife? Love her. (laughs) I'm just telling you, you want to speak the language of love? You want to be like God? You, You speak love. If you want to speak the language of God, you do it through love. You say it through love. You live it through love. When you love, you are conveying God's language. You are speaking God's language. You are conveying it to another person. Love is the uniform language of the world. Listen to me. The Tower of Babel was created because humanity had a common language. They came together, one language. They built something that was an apostasy before God. God came down. He saw it. He said, if they can do this speaking one language, nothing is impossible for them. And that's where the separation of languages entered into the world, where God separated their language. But I'm here to tell you something. There's still a common language in the world today. There's still one common language in the world today, and it's Love. I can go overseas, and I cannot understand somebody, but I can love somebody. I've been in many conversations. I've hugged people in other parts of the world. I've hugged people. I have no idea what they're saying. I was in Hong Kong last year. I don't have any idea what they were saying, but I know this much. There was a spirit of love in the place. Love is a common language by which man today attempts to make a name for God. Babel was a common language with an attempt to make a name for man. But love is what God uses today, that's a common language to make a name for God. Yeah, See, I even know what he said, she said. Love is greater than tongues. Love is greater than knowledge. Love is greater than knowledge. Think about this for just a moment. Let me go back to this point though. The greatest language ever learned, listen to me, the greatest language ever learned or spoken is the language of love. Greater than knowledge. Since the time of creation, man has been on a quest for knowledge. Think about it. Man, Adam and Eve in the garden. Knowledge of tree of good and evil. That's the one thing you cannot have. It's the one thing you cannot eat. Don't you eat from that tree? How many know what tree they wanted? They wanted that. What is that? What is that knowledge? God put the man in a perfect environment, but that wasn't enough for him. The thirst and quest for knowledge became the temptation by which the enemy would deceive the man. In his quest for knowledge, man, man sinned against God, right? Think about this for a moment. In that quest, they ate from the tree. He used the enemy, used their desire to know the mysteries of God against them. He used their desire to know the secrets of God against them. The greatest knowledge that we can ever come to in our life is the knowledge that knowing this, God loves me. I'm not against knowledge, I'm not against education. Some of you are looking at me like, wow, Pastor. No, 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 no. Listen to me this morning. Paul said, What's he say? Let's read the scripture. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy, which is foretelling, if I know all mysteries and I know all knowledge, but I have not love, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. There is no greater knowledge than knowing you're loved by God. But let me ask you this for a moment. I know lots of people that can quote scripture like a machine gun. I mean, they will just riddle you with it. How I many know that can become a real weapon too? Let me tell you something. I don't, I, I don't really care if you can quote 1 Corinthians 13. I want to know if you can live it. I don't care if you can quote it. I want to know if you can live it. If you can't live it, don't quote it to me. greater than knowledge. Paul said, if I prophesy, I know all mysteries and all knowledge, but I love them nothing. I mean, the Bible says that knowledge actually puffs up. Hmm? It's greater than knowledge. Listen to me. We got to learn how to love. It's greater than power. I'm going fast. I know because Jen took so long and Tim's took so long and Peter took so long and (laughs) and Troy took so long and I'll get blamed for being long. Just telling you when it goes past 12 o'clock, it'll be my fault. Okay, everything else was an hour and 10 minutes, but it'll be my fault. <laughs> love is greater than power. Listen to what Paul said. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Okay, he's, look, look at what Paul's talking Paul's talking to him about tongues. He's talking to him about prophecies. He's talking about knowledge. All these things they were after, but yet they could not love each other. Listen to me. We cannot be a house of prophecy without a house of love. We cannot be a house of tongues without being a house of love. We cannot be a house of knowledge without being a house of love. I'm talking to the church this morning because that's what Paul was talking. All right. If if you, you, we cannot be everything that uh, uh, we cannot be all the gifts without the spirit of love, Paul says, "If I have faith to move mountains, you know, let me tell you something. Having faith to move a mountain and not have love is a dangerous thing. Let me tell you something." If I have faith to move mountains, but don't have love, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to set some of those people's, some of those mountains right down on people's butts. Oh yeah. Like what? You said what? Give me a mountain. Bah. <laughs> Yo, know, I know you all are too sanctified for me. Like, I'm just telling you right now, if I got the faith that says that, that mountain, I'm going to put you where I want you to. And you've been on my nerves. You're getting a mountain. Power without love is a dangerous thing, is it not? I want to tell you something. Ask ask the Jewish people about power without love. It's a guy named Hitler. Ask the people in the Sudan about a man who had power but no love. Ask the people in North Korea about a person who has power but no love. Power without love produces dictators. Power without love produces a culture of fear. Power without love produces manipulation. Power without love creates rebellious children. Let me say that again, mom and dad. Power and authority without love creates rebellious children because they're only going to put up with that so long. Give me a leader who loves more than he knows, I'll follow him. Give me a leader who loves more than works, and I'll follow him. Give me a leader who uses power from a position of love, and I'll follow him. Give me a leader who will use his knowledge from a position of love, and I'll follow him. See, see I want you to know something. Paul's saying that, that, that love is greater than all these power gifts. It's greater than faith. Listen to me this morning. Faith is not the greatest thing in the kingdom. Love is. Love causes me to use faith in the right way. Love causes me to put faith into action. Faith the greatest power on the earth is love because love causes power to be used in its its proper purpose. The greatest power on the face of the earth is love because love causes me to use power in its proper purpose. If you have power and you don't have love, you're a dangerous person. It's almost as quiet in here this week as it was last week. Paul said it's greater than tongues. It's greater than knowledge. It's greater than power. Paul says it's greater than works. Look what he says. He said, if, and if I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but don't have love, it profits me nothing. The moment you love what you do more than who you do it for, you're in trouble. Let me say that to our pastors and our leaders in our midst. The moment that you love what you do more than who you do it for, you're in trouble. The moment you love what you do more than you love God, the one you do it for. How many know we're in trouble? The moment you love what you do more than those you do it for, you're in trouble. Listen to me. I cannot love the ministry more than those I minister to. If I love the ministry more than those I minister to, I come to resent those I do it for because you now are becoming a problem in my ministry. I meet lots of pastors and I meet lots of leaders who walk in resentment towards, towards their people. I hear them mock them. I hear them ridicule them. I hear all kinds of crazy stuff. Only place I know that gives nuts in the foyer is nuts in the sanctuary. <laughs> we got nuts in the foyer and nuts in the chairs. You're saying, who's he giving this one to? Me, I'm gonna eat him. Martha, it's good to see you, Honey. I love you. God loves you. We know you're on a sacrifice and a mission of love when you're not here on Sundays. Because I mean, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do because you love somebody. It's not always what you want to do. The essence of loving somebody isn't always doing what you want to do. Sometimes it's doing what you don't want to do. See, Paul says it's greater than worse. If if I do this and I give this and I give my possessions and I burn my body and I do all these things, but I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Some love the idea of being parents until they have children. (laughs) Can I get an amen? (laughs) Like, that seemed like a good idea. It was fun in the making and it seemed like a good idea. I ain't so sure now. (laughs) You know? Love for God and love for people are the foundation from which ministry flows. You you see, this this love, love is the fountain from which the works of God flow. Everything God has done and does and still will do comes from a position of love. Everything. 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 Everybody say everything. everything. Everything he does comes from love. Why? Why? I say, how can you say that pastor? Because the Bible says God is love and love is God. Everything God does flows from a position of love. But if we're to be like God, all right, if we are to be like God, then love must be the fountain from which our works flow. Why do I preach? It better be because I love God and I love you. Why do I, why do I do some of the things I do? I've asked myself the same question. I'm not going to tell you what I told my wife this morning. She was telling me her dream this morning, okay? She's weird, I got to tell you. I'm like, okay, yeah, what did you eat before you went to bed? But I told her, so she's telling me her dream this morning. And then I told her, I said, well, let me tell you what my night was like. I was haunted all night. She just looked at me, okay? I said, because every time, and I won't tell you what it was. Someday I might. But as I went to sleep, this thought would not leave my mind considering a ministry thing. It would not leave my mind. And then I would wake up and it was the first thing on my mind. Then I'd go to sleep. I actually, I'm going to tell you the truth. I actually laid there and could not go to sleep. And I actually said, God, would you let me go to sleep? (laughs) Have you ever said to God, let me go to sleep? Okay. Leave me alone. I want to go to sleep. I don't want to think about this anymore. And then I wake up and it was the first thing on my mind. I must have woke up six, seven times last night. And guess what I was? Well, it was the first thing this morning at, at 5.20. First thing on my mind. It's a burden I think God's putting on me and I don't want it. Can I just say that? How many of you ever had a burden that God has put on that you don't want? But then you pick it up and you run with it. Why? Because love compels you to. Nobody wants to have burdens in their life. Nobody wants to have a burden they bear. But you bear it and you run with it because of love. You see, I got to keep going. I got a lot more to say. I got four sermons in one today. You see, if you don't love those that you do it for, and you don't love the one whom you do it for, what happens is you begin to love what you do, and it can never love you back. How many know the job will never love you back? Like people can. The ministry in and of itself can never love you in return, but the God you do it for loves you in return. Matter of fact, he loves you first. The ministry in and of itself can never love you back, but the people can Why do the people get to the end of their lives who have millions and millions of dollars and feel lonely and empty? Could it be? Could it be for some that they've never cultivated loving relationships in their life? I don't know. Greater than tongues, greater than knowledge, greater than power, greater than works. Then Paul said love is kind. Kind. Kind and patient, patient and kind. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to keep moving. Because then he moved on and he said, but love is not. Hmm. Let's let's, let's read the things he said it's not. He said, love is not jealous. It doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. It doesn't act unbecoming. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account wrong suffered. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness. Hmm. All right. So let me, I, I, I thought, let me look at all these. Let me boil this down to being able to say one thing. What can I say that love isn't? What can I say that love is not? And so I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to come up with. Love is not self-centered. The kind of love that Paul was talking about is not self-centered. Anybody know any self-centered people? Do not raise your hand and do not point to your person next to you. All right? Do you know any self-centered people? You know you do. Maybe some of you have been one. All right? And I begin to look at this. And Paul says, okay, so self-centered love. He says, don't brag. Love is not arrogant. It's not unbecoming. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. Hmm. So let me tell you about this. This for just a moment. First statement: Self-centered love tells you about me. Let me let me tell you how great I am. Let me tell you how. Let me let me tell. Can I The Bible says it doesn't brag. I've heard messages are nothing more than a brag sermon. Can I just be honest? I've, read, I've heard messages from preachers behind a pulpit. It was nothing more than bragging about what they've done and where they've been and so forth and so on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We won't let Peter preach again. All right. Hey. <laughs> hey. Ruth, he has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten your dreams of your heart. He loves you and he has not forgotten And I'm out of peanuts. You can go back to being mean. Okay. Love doesn't brag. Now, it it does brag some, but not about self. It brags about grandkids. Okay. If if, 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 If bragging about grandkids is acceptable, I'm guilty. Yes, they are the only two born on this side of the Mississippi in the last few years, Peter. All right. But love, come on. Love doesn't brag. Stop talking about yourself. Have you, I, I have been with, oh no boy, I have been around preachers. I'm talking about preachers. I'm going to pick on preachers. I have been with preachers that sometimes I would just like to tell them this, and yes, and amen. I want to say enough about you. I did, I want to say enough about you. I'm tired of hearing about you. I know. I mean. I mean. I'm just telling you like it is. Can I give you some recommendations? Sit still and answer questions. Ask questions. Stop making it about you. Love is not self-centered. Self-centered love love tells you about me. Self-centered love is proud of me rather than proud of you. I am so proud of Jen McConnell. I am so proud of her. I am so proud of many people in this place. I am so proud of so many people in this house. When I go out I tell your story, I'm not telling my story. I am proud of you. People need to be told that you're proud of them. Somebody need to go home and tell somebody you're proud of them. It's it's arrogance. Paul said it's not arrogant. Arrogance is I'm more proud of me than I am of you. I got news for her. You're still pregnant. Spiritual pregnancy is not fun. Because what happens is God drops a seed in you. That seed is in you. It's, it's growing and it begins to grow. And you're the only one that can be one with that for a season. Nobody else understands it. Nobody else knows it. Nobody else can feel the pressure. Just like you ladies. When you're pregnant, nobody else can carry that burden for a season. Nobody else can carry the weight of it. You're the only one that can be one. And then you get frustrated if everybody else around you. Because they don't know what you're going through. And they don't understand the pressure that you feel. And they want to just rip your heart out. <laughs> I told you to... I won't go there today, but I told you that pregnant psycho wife story, Christmas tree. Okay? But, but I'm just saying to you that you don't understand. And then all of a sudden, because you have to be one with that for a season. And then it's not until you give birth that other people can see it for what it is. It's not until you give birth that other people can embrace it. And then they have a revelation of what you carried for nine months. Spiritual pregnancy is not fun. I don't know anything about that physical pregnancy. I just look at it sometimes. Self-centered love is proud of me rather than you. Self-centered love throws a hissy fit when it doesn't get its own way. It happens in churches all the time. Well, I didn't get to do this, and I didn't get to do that, and you did this. And blah, blah, blah. I'm just gonna take my ball and go home. Knock it off, grow up. He said, yes, I did. Grow up. I have been around too long. I have been around too long. I've been pressed for too long. I had seven, seven years of having 27 churches under me, and I've seen the dumbest things that divide churches. And all I'm going to say is people need to grow up in the kingdom. Okay. Let me tell you what I really think about it. I'm tired of seeing churches divided over stupid stuff. Because your ego didn't get stroked. Because you, you, your, 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 your insecurity was jeopardized. Knock it off. Grow up. You wouldn't let your kids act like that at home. Why do you think you act like that in church? Oh, boy. Self-centered love. It's just. I got I, I, not, her, not here, but not too long ago, there was a place that I, I know the stories. Okay. Pastor goes out. He buys his own garbage cans. based with his own money. He gets raked over the coals by some lunatic board member. Yes, I said it that way. Because if you're it's just like, please, Lord, help us. That is not what the body of Christ looks like. You don't throw hissy fits when you don't get your own way. This is not, what does it say? Self-centered love. Self-centered love seeks my benefit rather than yours. It's all about me, baby. So instead of it's all about you, Jesus, it's all about me. I'd sing it for you, but I don't want to show off. I don't want to brag. <laughs> Self-centered love seeks my benefit rather than yours. It does not seek its own, Paul said. Self-centered love is only provoked by that which affects me, not you. Ouch. It so says it's not easily provoked. What is it that provokes you? Generally, we get provoked when somebody steps on our toes or steps on our turf or affects me. Can I say the church needs to get provoked of what's going on in the world in a healthy way? About orphans, fatherless, and all the other things we can put our finger on? Self-centered love is me keeping score to remind you how you wronged me. The Bible says it keeps no record of wrongs. I mean, uh, i forgive you, honey, until we have the next fight that I'm going to remind you. <laughs> I'll forgive you, but the next time we have a disagreement, I'm going to remind you what you did 20 years ago. I am 54 years old today. Not today. Actually, September, but I'm 54. I grew up in this church. I started to come here when I was 12. I know it's hard to believe, but I wasn't always saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I had teenage moments. And I got people that still remind me of those teenage moments. What can I (laughs) When's the last time you reminded somebody how they wronged you and why did you do it? doesn't keep score. Stop keeping score. Stop keeping score. Stop keeping score. It's like we have a scoreboard. It says it keeps no record of wrongs. Hmm. Love is not self-centered. Then Paul says, and, and there's, I love how the NIV puts it. Love always. There's some things that love always does says so it always protects, always loves, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Always. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Hmm. There's some interesting things with that. That word bear, or that word, first of all, the the, the love protects. It means to protect or keep by covering. Listen to me. Love Covers people. It covers you when you're right. It covers you when you're wrong. It doesn't say it's okay to be wrong. But it still covers you. I've often said this to you. Over the years in our church. I know it's hard to believe. We've had people who broke the law. I know. It's hard to believe. And I would look at them and i would say things like this. You, need, you broke the law. You need to suffer the consequence of breaking the law. Justice is not escaping consequence. But understand this. Understand this. My place is not between you and justice. But I will be between you and the mob. Because I mean, know we have a mob mentality in our land right now. That as soon as somebody is found to have done something wrong, it's pile on and crush them. Pile on and destroy them. Our thirst for blood, listen to me, you can find justice, but vengeance is never justice. My place will always be between the mob and the offender. Jesus did not tell the woman who was caught in adultery it was okay. He did not say that what she did was all right. What he did do was he said, I'll stand here between you and those that will destroy you because love always covers and I will not allow them to destroy you. And I say to you today as your pastor, you may be wrong and you may mess up, but I will not let somebody destroy you. And the body of Christ has got to get the same spirit where we say, you know what? You were wrong. I love you and I'm not going to let them destroy you but take your lumps. <laughs> it means to cover with silence. Wow. I mean, you know, sometimes we cover people and we tell them we're covering them. <laughs> we remind them, hey. <laughs> okay, I won't go there. It always protects. It always hopes. Always believes the best. Always trusts for the best. Takes no faith to be negative. I told you that a thousand times. Love always amazing thing, isn't it? How do you like that phrase? Love always. Love always. The phrase love always leaves no room for love sometimes. Doesn't leave any room for that, does it? It's kind of pretty black and white. How many of you people in the room are black and white people? <laughs> okay, I'm, you want me to point you out? Thank you, my honey. I love you. <laughs> There can be more opposites if you wanted to. She's black and white. I'm as gray as they come. I'll get a few more of you too. Love always leaves no room for love sometimes. It leaves no room for love if. It always protects. It always covers. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always believes. Always is a heavy responsibility, is it not? love always that's a challenge you see i'm getting ready to wrap up because i want you to love me (laughs) paul was talking to the church and when he talked to the church he's not telling them don't look for spiritual gifts he says go after them seek the spiritual gifts but don't you do it in place of love love is more important than them Love is more important than tongues. It's more important than faith. It's more important than the gifts. It's more important. It's the greatest. Everybody say greatest. Greatest. You see, we got lots of people chasing a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you something. We've got to chase love. Because this is what I believe. The gifts are best exercised through love. He says, this is how you do it. This is what it looks like. This is what it's not. It's not self-centered. It's not self-seeking. It's not arrogant. It doesn't brag. It always protects and it always trusts and always believes. It bears all things. And this love we know is the word agape, which cannot be just used about God because I mean, there's a portion of scripture that, that says that, that men in John chapter three are said to have agape sin. I mean, you know, there's a place where the Bible says we use the word agape according to how we, we in the world uh, love our sin. And we love the world. Agape, though, is just, what kind of love is it? It's a love that is a love that never changes. It never changes. I mean, you know, God's love is agape because it never changes. His love for you doesn't go up and down. Aren't you glad that God doesn't have a love meter? And some days I'd be running on empty, baby. How many you know you don't have a love meter either? Hmm? It never changes. How many know agape love is eternal love? My son died four and a half years ago. I still love him. I didn't just love him. I still love him. Do yeah. you understand that? Peter's dad died two and a half years ago. He didn't love him and stopped loving him. He still loves him. Agape love is an eternal love. It doesn't change. It doesn't end. It doesn't not end. It's a selfless love that gives without expectation of return. You don't love to get. You love because it's who you are. It's a love so great that it, being, it's, it is even given to people who are unlovable. <laughs> How many know sometimes we have some unlovable people in our life? How many know sometimes we act Unlovable. It's a love so great, it even loves when it's rejected. Ouch. It gives and it loves because it wants to. It doesn't demand. It doesn't expect repayment. It's a love that God gives to draw out the potential of the object which he loved. For God's love, the world. If I love the world, I can draw this out of it. Come on. If you will love your wife, you love your husband, you love your kids, how many of you will draw more out of them by loving them than not loving them? The greatest of these is love. You, You see, this love has little to do with emotion. It's not an emotional thing Paul's talking about. It's a choice to deny self. It's a choice to deny self. Sometimes you love in spite of what you feel. If I did everything I ever did based upon my feelings, there'd be a lot of things I would not do. There are sometimes things I do and I operate in love. That's a spirit of self-denial. You do things because of love. Last October... I took Liam and Carson to State College to spend the night in a hotel just so we could swim. Since October. Pappy, are we going back to State College? Pappy, are we going back to State College? Pappy, when are we going back to State College? Pappy, are we going back to State College? Because now State College is equated with swimming in a hotel. <laughs> October, November, December, January, February. I think she read that scripture about the nagging woman that came to the judge. <laughs> or it's in the jeans, one or the other. I'm not sure. Always say that kind of stuff when you're preaching about love. So this weekend, I said, we're going to, said, guess what? We're going to go swimming. And we traveled a whole three miles from our house to the Wingate downtown Eltona. <laughs> <laughs> I rode around town first a couple of times. <laughs> okay. And we get a room just so we could swim on Friday night. Just so we can get up in the morning and eat breakfast. Just so we can swim until it's time to check out. Why? Because I love them. Because I love them. And they can never return it the same way. Although, how many know it's returned? Why do you do it in the body of Christ? Because you love people. You love them. And you're doing it for them, not you. The spirit of what Paul was saying is it's self-denial. There's an Italian proverb. I did not pick it because it was Italian. That says love rolls his kingdom without a sword. The greatest power on the face of the earth is love. And if you want to talk about God's kingdom, God's kingdom is rolled by love. Jesus never came with a sword. He came in a spirit of self-denial in the love of the father that willingly put himself on the cross for you and I. He expects no less from his followers. In this house, there's a wall right out there in the foyer. It has this little thing on the wall. Every once in a while, I want to tell people, you need to go read the wall. Because the wall says this, in this house, we do second chances. Praise God. We do grace. Grace. Praise God. We do mistakes. We do real. We do, I'm sorry. May I add a line there? I'm going to add a line. We do, I'm sorry, and forgiveness. We do loud, really well. We do hugs. We do love. We do family. It's who we are. So, Paul says, What's love got to do with it? Everything. Everything. Come on, Troy. Everybody's saying, if you love us, you'll let us go. (laughs) Catch the essence of what the message has been. The essence of what the series has been. What's love got to do with it? It has everything to do with it. And if you can only pick one thing, then it's got to be love. Because everything flows from love. And it's not a feeling. I mean, it is a feeling, but it's not a feeling. If it's based on a feeling, there's a lot of stuff not happening. It's got to be based on a decision. I mean, you choose to love somebody in spite of sometimes. You choose to love a son and a daughter in spite of some of the stuff that they do sometimes. You choose to do it. If I had power to move those mountains, (laughs) it would be lovely to choose not to drop it on your butt. (laughs) Come on, stand up with me. An interesting portion of scripture I almost i actually had two sermons for today this is the one that i chose if you want to see and i'll close with this if you want to see this in action let me challenge you to go to first samuel chapter 18 19 and you'll see a relationship between a man named jonathan and a man named david it's an amazing uncanny parallel Jonathan's life to this portion of Scripture. Jonathan was the prince. He was the heir to the throne, Saul's throne. He was to be the next king. Only problem is God said, I'm going to put somebody else on that throne. I'm going to anoint a man named David to be on that throne. If David's going to be on the throne, then that means that Jonathan's not going to be on the throne. How would Jonathan react? The Bible says that Jonathan loved David as himself. Sound familiar? That Jonathan loved David as himself. And you begin to see this is actually in operation. Where Jonathan says, what? He's the the firstborn son of a king that makes a covenant with the lastborn son of a farmer. And he looks at David and he says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And he says, oh, by the way, I love you as I love myself. Therefore, I'm going to step aside so that you can step up. How many know that's love? How many know that's love? Sometimes people won't step aside because if they step aside, somebody else might get to step up. And then he says to them, oh, and by the way, you're going to need this because you don't have one. You don't have a robe and you don't have a sword and you don't have a shield. Take mine. Take mine. I'm telling you, it's, it's 1 Corinthians 13 in action. Take mine. You're going to need it. My stuff is your stuff. It's a beautiful picture. You see, but the story, but, but, but I want to show you something, but that story is not about Jonathan. It is about Jonathan. But there's the picture of Christ. Because how many know the Bible tells us he made a covenant with us? How many of the Bible tells us he loved us as himself? How many of the Bible tells us that he's the one that said, I'll step aside. I'll step out of my father's estate. I'll take on the form of a servant. I'll go and I'll give so that their, my stuff can become their stuff. My righteousness to become their righteousness. It's really the story about Jesus. Okay, I can preach a whole the sermon. I'm not going to, I promise you. say, Pastor, how do I love like that? How do I love like that? Anything I can tell you is you cannot give what you haven't received. Let me know you got to receive it from the Father to be able to give it. And if you will receive it, you can give it because you'll become it. Father, we, we look at this message and there's a whole lot I said and there's a whole lot I could have said and probably a whole lot I didn't say and some I didn't say right. But I want us to catch the spirit of it this morning. The spirit of it is that this love that you're talking about that Paul talks about was a self-denying love that wasn't based upon emotion. It was based upon a decision to deny self and to prefer others May that be the spirit of this house. I speak that spirit over this house. That we would be that on a consistent basis. So that, in the words of Jesus to his disciples, others will know we are your disciples. We are your followers. So Father, you challenge us this morning. You challenge us this morning with this message. You call us and you summon us and you charge us with it. To not just do love, but to be love. Father, help us with it. In Jesus' name. And God's people said...